Well, good morning. As Chelsea said, my name is Rob Kaiser. Uh, we, Janice and I have been going to this church for almost two years now. Um, prior to that, quick little history, uh, I was the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Johnson City, Tennessee for 18 years before Janice and I uh, were, we got a strong urge to go to Israel and serve. Uh, we were there in Israel for four years. Uh, we served at a Messianic church where I was one of two teaching elders and I also taught at the Calvary Chapel Bible College, which is in a small town of Katsreen, which is up in the Golan Heights, and taught there for a couple of years. And then the Lord called us back here, and we're happy to be living now in South Carolina, and happy to be here this morning. Um, Greg gave me permission, by the way. He said I can go as long as three hours if I want. Um, now... That might sound funny, but in some churches, that's, that's the norm. Uh, there was one church that I heard about recently. Uh, the pastor tended to go a little long on his sermons. And uh, one Sunday morning, he was giving his message. And about halfway through the message, one of the men got up and walked out the back door. You know, that's kind of strange. And towards the end of the service, the man walked back in and took his seat. So the pastor went up to this man afterwards. And he goes, why did you leave in the middle of my message? And he says, well, I went to get a haircut. He goes, why didn't you do that before you came to church? And he said, I didn't need a haircut then. <laughs> so I promise, I promise I won't go long this morning. <laughs> but this past Friday at sundown began one of the high holy days, 10 days in all. It begins with Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year, and ends with Yom Kippur. It's a sound that's not too familiar here in the United States to be heard, but in Israel, that's the norm. Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year or their new year. It's their time to celebrate uh, a new year day, a new beginning of a year. But it also represents, in the blowing of the trumpet, uh, another holiday will come soon after, which is called, is called Yom Turah. And Yom Terah literally means the sounding. And what that means is the sounding of the shofar. We might say trumpet, and Israel is called a shofar. And it's the observance of the first two days uh, of Tishri, which is the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. And it is ascribed in the Torah as, um, in the Torah as Yom Terah, or the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 and 24 say this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of shofars, a holy convocation. And the same command is given later in Numbers chapter 29, verse 1. 
It is a memorial. It is a holy convocation. It's a time for people to gather together and to consider the things that are important in life. The piercing blast of the shofar is meant to remind the hearer to repent. To repent from his sins and then also to make things right with her brothers and sisters. Uh, Eli Rebek, which is a uh, third generation shofar maker, said it's something that people connect to their souls when they hear the sound of a shofar. Now, to us again, it might be a foreign sound. Janice and I lived in the city of Tiberias. Uh, we lived on the highest street in the entire city, built on the side of a hill. We live in an area actually called Tiberius Elite. And in that area, we had a, a total view of the Sea of Galilee. And right beneath us were rows and rows of apartment complexes, high-rise apartment complexes, where the ultra-religious often mostly lived. And on top of about every fifth building of those high-rises were these large, huge horns, that four of them, that pointed in every direction. And on Shabbat, every Friday evening, right before sunset, those horns would blare out uh, music in Hebrew for about 15 minutes, but it would follow with the blast of a shofar. And that shofar blast literally lasted like two minutes. And at first we were going, somebody's got some great lungs. Wow, listen. And then we realized it was a recording and it always ended the same way. And then the last song was always played for about a half second before they cut it off. So whoever did the recordings couldn't quite get it right. But it became the norm. Every single Friday we heard the shofar blast and it was amazing. In some traditions, the shofar is blown in synagogues and the Western Wall beginning a full month before these high holy days, a full month. And what they're doing and what they're saying by that is, you, we're giving you 30 days to remember and to remind you the holy days are coming, it's time to repent. Do it now, don't wait until Rosh Hashanah starts. Do it now, 30 full days beforehand. Traditionally, Rosh Hashanah is a celebration of creation as well. It's a celebration recognizing our, our God as creator, especially of Adam and Eve, especially of life. And so they look and they celebrate that. For us as believers in Yeshua today, the shofar also has a great meaning. Now, we have the long one down here. Traditionally, it was blown with a horn like this. And... Uh, a shofar horn traditionally is made from a horn of a ram, but it can be made of almost any animal. The only one that they will not make a, a shofar from is a cow horn uh, because they don't want to have the reminder of what Aaron made when he made the golden calf and, and they fell into sin while Moses was up on Mount Sinai. So these are, if you go there, by the way, every gift shop has thousands of these in, in buckets and barrels. <laughs> everywhere. They have short ones, long ones, they have colored ones, they have designs on them. And, and I mean, it's, it's amazing how many shofars are in. Yeah, I, I don't know where they get so many rams. I mean, it's just amazing, but there's horns everywhere. But again, to us, it's, it's not a norm here in the United States. It's something unique to us when we hear the blast of a shofar. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day for us as believers that we should be anticipating the blast of a shofar. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52 say, Behold, I tell you a mystery. 
we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last shofar. For the shofar will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Amen? Now, the shofar was meant to get people's attention. And if we're ever in, if you ever go to Israel and you're in Ben Gurion Airport uh, in Tel Aviv, you will likely hear a, a very common opener to an announcement that they're making over the loudspeakers there, Simu Lev. Simu Lev means pay attention. They're about to announce something important, and in Israel, everything is important, so you need to listen. Um, but Simu Lev is actually, uh, when we hear pay attention, it's not really the best or most accurate translation into English. If we were to put it into English, it literally means put your hearts. And I love that. Put your hearts into it. In other words, when someone is about to speak, you need to put your heart, you need to, to hear, you need to listen. One of the best gifts someone once said that you can give to anyone, especially to God, is your attention. Have you ever been in a crowded room or with a group of people and you're talking to someone? Maybe you're just casually talking. Maybe you're pouring out your heart to them and you realize that you don't have their undivided attention. They're glancing around the room. They're, they're getting distracted by other things. And, you know, husbands, I know sometimes you probably hear from your wives, are you listening to me? Okay, there, there's times where we just, we get distracted. When we come before the Lord, when we're seeking him and our very lives themselves, we should never be distracted. The times when we come especially before him in worship, should be a time that God has our full attention. Paying attention to God, putting our hearts with him. There was a commercial years ago when I was growing up, and maybe most of you here, some of you here would remember it. There's a crowd of people, there's always a crowd of people, and two people are talking and they zoom in on those two people. And one person says, well, my financial advisor is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, and everybody in the room leans. Do you remember that? Everyone leans in. They want to hear what E.F. Hutton has to say. And then at the very end, scrolled across the bottom of the screen, it says, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Do you remember that commercial? It gets your undivided attention, okay? When we hear the sound of a shofar, it should be, I want to have your full attention. Yeshua often said things like, verily, verily, I say unto you. He would repeat a word twice or hearken or something. It was always something that was used as almost like an exclamation point in the Bible. I want to get your undivided attention. I'm about to tell you something. And it's important for us to know and to recognize that when God wants to get our attention, he wants our undivided attention. If you will turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, we'll start with verses 28 through 31. Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them, Jesus and the religious of that time, 
reasoning together, perceived that Yeshua had answered them well. Yeshua had just been barraged by a lot of questions by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, trying to catch him in his words. And this one scribe noticed that he had answered him well. And perceiving that he had answered them well, he asked Yeshua, which is the first commandment of all? Yeshua answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai, Elohecha, Behol Levacha Uvehol, Nafshecha Uvehol Meodeha. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This, he said, is the first commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Note the first word that he says, hear, listen, pay attention, put your hearts into it. I'm about to tell you something very important. That's the purpose of a shofar blast, to re-engage our hearts with God. Do you remember those times when you first became believers? Remember how exciting it was? It was something new and fresh. Myself, I couldn't wait. It was 1976. Pastor Mike McIntosh in San Diego had just taken over this old dilapidated 1930 movie theater and was transitioning it into a church. This girl from work kept inviting me over and over ago to come, and I finally said, oh, yeah, all right, I'll come. And it was a Wednesday night. I didn't really want to go, but I went. And this guy walks out in blue jeans and tennis shoes, and he didn't look like a pastor. I'd heard... Music up on stage, I'd gone to a Baptist church when I was a little boy a couple of times. That's, that was church, pipe organ, you know. This one had drums and electric guitars, and I was going, what kind of church is this? And then the pastor began to speak, and my mind was just blown away. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was hearing the word of God with power and with authority. And the Holy Spirit was speaking through this pastor, and it was incredible. And I got saved that very same night. I had no idea when I went. I think the girl, I think, was shocked when I got up and ran forward. I mean, it was like, like wow, it really worked. You bring people to church, they get saved. <laughs> it was an amazing time. We had 30, 40 people every week getting saved at that church. The church was growing exponentially. It was towards the end of what they're now calling the Jesus Revolution and the movie and everything else. But it was a move of the Holy Spirit. It started in the mid-60s, and it was still going on when I became a believer in 76 and well beyond that. The Lord spoke to me that night and was getting my attention. But what happens over years? That was 1976. What's that, 43, 40-something years? Where does our zeal and passion for serving the Lord go? What happens in that in-between time when one year turns into five years, turns into 10 years, turns into 20, 40? Is our passion for the Lord as powerful now as it was then? Is our love for the Lord and for his word? I used to get up at 5 a.m. and I would just read and read and read. Then I'd get up and walk my neighborhood and I'd pray and I'd go back and read some more. And then I'd go to work. It was my passion to get into the word of God. Is it your passion this morning, are we able, when the Lord speaks to us, to hear? Are we vulnerable to listen? This, this scribe was listening to Yeshua, and suddenly he's going, he's answering wisely. There's something about his answer 
And when he asks what the greatest commandment is, he hears what is the single most known verse in all of Israel and all Judaism as a whole. Anyone who's Jewish knows what is known simply as the Shema. Here. It's written on, on scrolls and put in their doorposts. Uh, um, and it's, it's in everything that they do, and everyone knows the Shema. Hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is trying to get our attention this morning. And I want to compare that to a story about what it could be like if you don't pay attention. In 1991, a man entered a McDonald's in San Diego, California, armed, and began to shoot. People were scattering, panic ensued. And somehow, a mother and her little four or five-year-old son got separated. She ended up on the outside somehow, and he was still inside McDonald's. She saw him, terrified, looking at him through the glass, and calmly began to direct him, not with words, because that could have brought, drawn attention to this little boy by the shooter. She first motioned him to get down low. And then she began by going like this and acting like she was crawling to get him to begin to crawl toward her. If she saw the shooter move, she would put her hands up like to stop and the little boy would freeze. Then motion him again to start again and slowly he worked his way to the door. She pulled open the door and yanked him out. His life was spared because he listened. He obeyed the voice of his mother. Now, we may not be ever in that kind of a tragic situation, but how often are we in any given situation, whether casual or severe, able to stop and listen and hear and allow the Lord to guide us, allow his Holy Spirit to direct us? I know I've done the, the wrong thing where I'll make a sudden decision and it's the wrong decision. The Lord will still honor it if I'll give it to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I blew it. I, I know I shouldn't have done this, or I know I, maybe I should have done this. But God wants us to actively be seeking him and to be listening for his voice. And that when we hear his voice, be attuned enough to not only hear it, but be willing in our hearts to not only hear it, but follow it, to obey. Now the scribe, said to Yeshua with this answer, he said, well said, teacher. Verses 20, uh, 32 and 33, he says, Yeshua, um, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is what he says, is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. First Samuel 15, 22 puts it this way, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. If you're here this morning and you're one of those people that, yeah, coming to church is great, it's awesome. Um, I would encourage you truthfully, not only Sundays, Wednesdays. Come for the men's prayer meetings, come for the uh, women's prayer meetings, come for the Bible studies, come as often as you can come. Like I said, as a new believer, 
we had two services on Sunday morning. I was front row for both. I was up there just soaking it in on Sunday morning. Sunday night, I was back there for the prayer meeting that started before the Sunday service, then the Sunday evening service, then a Wednesday night Bible study, and then there was also another. I was there like five or six times a week. I was at the church because it was life to me, and it was it was, I could feel life coming into me. I was only 23 years old. I was, you know, I just finished with college and I had been in a fraternity and all the craziness of the world at that time. And one girl, obedient to inviting me over and over until I got monotonous, all right, I'll go, I'll go, got me to come. And I think had it not been for that, I don't know where my life would be today. Interestingly, as the, this whole movement of God that happened in the 60s and 70s, I lived right in Southern California. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. And so Pastor Chuck's church and what was happening there in the 60s, I graduated grammar school in 65. I never heard anything about it. I graduated junior high school you know, a few years later, never heard anything about Jesus. Graduated from high school, nothing. Junior college, nothing go to San Diego State from, from there, and even after that, nothing. That whole time, no one ever talked to me about Jesus. But on that campus, they were talking about everything else on that campus. And it would have been very easy to get lured into a lot of things. And I said, man, why didn't someone invite me or tell me about this before? When I became a believer, I said, I'm 23. I wish I would have become a believer at, at 3, at 10, at 12. You know, something younger, but... God has his appointed time for each person, doesn't he? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. God desires that we repent from our sins, fully surrendered, that we might live for him. That's what the shofar blast is all about. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. It's a, it's a beginning of a new year, a beginning of a, of a new time to set things right before God, to remind us, say, mulev, Simulev, put your hearts. It's a memorial, as we read before. It's to remind us that we don't forget, <coughs> that we never forget. Now, when Yeshua saw that the scribe had answered wisely, verse 34, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven, from the kingdom of God. This is so true for us today, and let me tell you why. There are many biblical scholars, and I agree with them, that believe that Yeshua will return at the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is the 25th of this month. It's not far away. It could be Rosh Hashanah. We also, it's, now, uh, Yom Turah is also known as the Feast of Trumpets, the blowing of the shofar. So somewhere between Rosh Hashanah and the Feast of Trumpets during the high holy days, it would make sense that that would be the time. Even though the Lord says, no one knows the time or the day. And that's true. We don't know the exact time of the day. It would make sense that he would come back during that time. And if that's true, and even if it's not, all the signs and things that we're seeing in the world today should let us know the time is short. In the church back in the 70s, the pastor uh, that I grew up under, Mike McIntosh, he pre preached this literally every surface. The Lord is coming soon. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's, 
That's what we heard, every message. He's coming soon. Now, that was over 40 years ago. I'll tell you now, I see things going on in the world that definitely confirm in my heart that that time is closer than ever. And if we are not attuned to him, if we're not ready to receive him, if we're not ready to go with him, we don't want to be one of those virgins that were caught with their oil lamps not filled and their wicks not trimmed and unready. We want to be prepared when the Lord comes. You are not far from the kingdom of, of God, and we're not. It could happen today. It could happen at any moment. The Lord's return is near. So the question is, as the shofar blast is meant to call people to repentance, this morning, the question is, is there unconfessed sin in your lives? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are we ready for that? Are our hearts ready for that? Put your hearts, draw near to God. Now, communion is a time, if Chelsea will come up, communion is a time that we are to remember. It's a memorial. But it's also a time that we are to put our hearts right before God. First Corinthians tells us that we are not to take communion in an unworthy manner. This morning, as the men pass out the elements, if guys, if you want to go ahead and start that, I want to ask you that during that time that you would be considering where your heart is this morning. God wants all of your heart, not part of it. He wants all of your attention. I think he's trying to get your attention this morning. Guys, if I can get you one more time, consider as a sound. Go ahead, guys, you can come forward. A call to get your lives right with the Lord. A call to give him everything, all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do that now as we prepare to take communion and during this song. Just seek the Lord quietly where you're at as the men pass out the elements. When you're ready, when you're ready to take it yourself, then please, or with your spouses or whoever you're with, Take communion amongst yourselves and pray and ask the Lord to do a fresh work. <laughs> 